My name is Wizzy Brown. And I'm Bryant McDowell. And I'm Molly Keck. And we're with the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service Department of Entomology, and this is Bugs by the Yard, where we hope to increase your enthusiasm about bugs in the urban landscape. Welcome back to Bugs by the Yard. This week, we are continuing our series on different types of spiders, and we're going to be looking at spiders that we generally call ambush, or I think I've also heard sit and wait kind of spider, which is similar to maybe a praying mantis. But an ambush spider is just a term that we use to describe the way that they're going to consume or or capture their prey. So most of these guys are going to hang out on, and we, and and also let me backtrack a minute, we're going to the ones that we're talking about here are kind of those that are hunting for their prey on a flower or something like that, or on a plant. Um, There are other types of spiders that when we talk about ground spiders could be considered ambushers, but we're just trying to differentiate them a little bit more. So you're not hearing way too many spiders all at one time. So these spiders usually hang out on some sort of a plant or they're kind of like actively moving around and they hang out where their food is. So they might hide in a flower petal or, you know, underneath a leaf or somewhere else where they know that prey is going to be walking out in front of them. And then they'll reach out and grab it and gobble it down. And Wizzy, I always steal what Wizzy says. She says, nature is not always nice. Not always are these guys going to be feeding on insects that we don't want around. They're very well known for feeding on pollinators, which isn't necessarily a good thing. But a lot of these actually do, some of these species actually do have really um, consume a whole lot of harmful insects in a lot of agricultural systems. And they're considered to be fairly good biological control agents. But in our yards, they kind of eat everything because everything is available to them. And in in an ag, you know, a row crop system, you're going to see a lot of the same uh, pest and a lot of the same food source. So they can help control those guys. So they do good. I mean, all spiders, I think, do good anyway, no matter what they feed on. Everything needs to be kept in, in check a little bit. But the ones that I found that I consider to be ambush predators are the crab spiders or um, Thomas Tomicity, I think is the way that the family name is pronounced. Um, crab spiders, I think people also call them flower spiders. I've also heard flower crab spiders. So any combination of that. Then um, the lynx spider, which is one of my personal favorites. And if we have time, we might talk a little bit about trapdoor spiders, but um, we'll just see how far we get on these. So it's really just you know, it's not a lot. It's only a, a handful of them. Um, and if we start out with the crab spiders, these these ambush predators are not orb weavers, so they don't they don't spin a web. But all spiders have the ability to. So I think with a lot of them, they'll spin a single strand, maybe to get away from danger or to move quicker from one place to the other. Think of Spider Man as he moves through the the city on the buildings. Um, crab spiders, if you listen to our kite spider podcast, they get confused a lot because I think they kind of have the same shape to their body, but a crab spider has like incredibly exaggeratedly long front legs. And then the second pair of legs is a little bit smaller than that. And then if I'm not mistaken, their last two pairs of legs are kind of normal, right? And they face the other direction. So they have like two facing towards the head and two facing towards the butt. 
and they can go. That's what I think of. Right. Yeah, they do. They're not there. There's no way they could all be facing forward. They have to be half back. Um, are, are those the crab spiders usually? Um, are they typically yellow or do they are there multiple colors or I think the yellow one, maybe that's a species or a morph that is most well known because when I think of it, that's the first thing I think of. But I've seen a really white one. I think that they vary from very um, pale white, yellow color to being really pretty like a flower. Like the, I saw some pictures of ones that were pink. Like a mimicry, right? They, oh. they can change colors. That's neat. It's like an octopus. Which is amazing. That is so cool. And I saw that too. If they hang out on the flower for long enough, they'll actually change to the color of the petals. Yes. That's crazy. So they're all the colors of the rainbow. They, um, they get that name kind of, well, the shape of them gives them the name of the crab spider, but they also will move sideways like a crab does. I mean, they really look like a, a crab. And I get these as well as most of the ambushers. Like if I cut some cut flowers and I lay them on the counter so I can start going through them and they'll kind of crawl out of the flowers. So they will definitely put themselves in a good situation to go after pollinators. But there's also thrips and other stuff in those flowers. So they're probably feeding on some bad ones also. Uh, I was reading that they uh, wow. there is some um, sexual dimorphism. So the the males are, and this is the way it is in like most of the animal world anyway. But the males are much smaller than the females are, and that the idea with that with spiders and probably other things is that um, the bigger the girl it is, the more eggs it can produce, and so then that is that they're going to be selected for because they're going to be the ones that carry on the. Um, the populations. Oh, I'm reading about, you're right. Browns, grays, pink. Oh, wow. Pink even. Okay. Yeah. You know what they remind me of? Um, the orchid praying mantises, how they can be really pretty colors. These, This is like a spider that can really mm -hmm. be pretty. And they're mainly pastel. Like they don't ever really get bright. They're like a very muted pink. Yeah. But I, these ones, and unlike cuttlefish or octopus or something like that, they, they can't change colors immediately. It takes them a period of time, like several days, which I wonder how they do, like where, what they shift yeah, in their what, body to. What are they absorbing? What are they absorbing to absorb the color? Because I was reading that too, that it's a, it's not, it's a long period of time. So they have to be stay put for a while. Oh, okay. I was going to say, um, I see one of the characters is that they have pretty spiny legs um, in combination with those like long front legs. Is that to hold on to, to prey easier or? Yes. That's what I was reading too. So they kind of look like, act like Velcro, like everything about them reminds me of praying mantis because mantids are the same way, right? They don't really grab anything. They just kind of get it stuck in all of their little spines. Yeah. Okay, so there are 3,000 species of crab spiders around the world, and apparently it's the goldenrod crab spider that is the one that changes its color to match its background. And apparently this says that experimental studies have demonstrated 
that the spider is aware of the color of its background. You're smart. And if it's moved to a plant where it's conspicuous, then it will move to a plant where it is camouflaged. So it's like it knows, it's like, oh, hey, I'm on a you know, pink plant now. I need to go back over to this white one. All right. So then it also says if a yellow spider is conspicuous and unable to move, it will resorb the yellow pigments and hold them in or even excrete them to get rid of them. And then as the yellow pigments diminish because it's absorbing them, the crab spider will turn cream or white. And then if the white spider feels the need to change to yellow, then it will use those sequestered pigments that it's holding to either change its color or it will synthesize new pigments. That is insane. To change its color, which is why it takes days instead of immediately to change color. So long. Nature is so cool. That's so wild and crazy. And like, how did someone research that to figure that out too? That would be so much fun though. It's like, I have all of these crab spiders and all these different flowers and let's see what happens if I put it here. You would, you would lose them in That's your house, Lizzie. Awesome. <laughs> I would. They could hang out with the tarantulas. Oh, the other problem I'm having, not only do I have a possible loose tarantula, but the uh, jumping spider had babies oh. and they're crawling out the holes. And so I walked into the dining room the other day and I got a face full of web. <laughs> apparently they've been ballooning in my dining room. Oh, no. They're trying to use the yep. air conditioner. <laughs> so we keep finding all these jumping spiders randomly about the dining room. Are they adorable? Oh my God. They're so cute. I mean, they're like a, a jumping spider the size of a head of a pin. Yeah. It's just I wanna, adorable. Yeah, I can turn on like a ceiling fan and see if you get a bunch of little baby spiders <laughs> just going around and <laughs> well now you're going to be oh, rich you can sell those online for <laughs> yeah i don't think i'm going to rear them out that's going to take too long i keep like finding them and putting them outside but you know they're still sticking around yeah. So I feel like this yellow, the, the common yellow crab spider, I think a lot of these are kind of getting confused with one another. Um, not like in this instance, but I, I feel like I've heard people call these banana spiders and maybe just for the color. Um, yeah. In combination, with the crab or, or sorry, the orb weavers that we talked about last week. Also people calling them like crab spiders or, uh, or gyope banana spiders, for example. There's a lot of confusion around that. Yeah, I think, yes, I think a lot of people, well, like when you're a kid growing up, whatever your parents call something is what you think it is, right? And right. so somewhere bugs, along the line, someone gave the wrong common name to something and then it's just never really gone away. I think, and I, I think you're right. I think spiders are probably the worst of all of the arthropods. Everything's a brown recluse. <laughs> Everything, yeah, everything's poisonous. Everything's a brown recluse. Everything's a... Uh, Everything, yeah. Everything's named something else. Um, All right. So crab spiders, let's see, they simple metamorphosis. The immatures look like the adults, only they're smaller and cuter. And this says that they live for usually about a year and only have one generation per year. And then eggs are going to be produced in the fall. So I would assume then they're overwintering 
inside the egg case. And then those spiderlings are going to hatch out in the spring to I would ass- emerge on flowers and do their thing, I guess. I would assume so too. I found something different for lynx spiders, but that's a different spider. So I, d- I don't know. Um, I also was reading though, that it is generally one generation a year throughout most of the United States, but down here, we might actually have two generations a year. Oh, ooh, that's fun. Yeah. But that goes, but th- looking at the life cycle of these things goes with my theory that you see more spider activity in September, October, when it's like the spooky season than you do in the spring when you would think there'd be more food for them. Yeah. Well, it's all, probably the adults are out and more active Oh, yeah. Giving them a chance to get larger. Because unless you're really paying attention, you might not see a spider laying. That's true. And then when they're laying eggs, they're going to protect their egg sac. So that's where you kind of see them kind of hunkered down and notice them. I don't know that I've ever seen a crab spider egg sac. Have y'all? I don't think I have, no. I have maybe. I want to say it's like like a little kind of flattened thing on the leaf. Oh. Think, okay, maybe that's. But it. I, I could be lying and making that up. <laughs> so but, I always. But I'm remembering maybe. In my uh, like when I do a sweep. What am I trying to say? Uh, when I sweep net, yeah. When I just do a sweep of any you know grassland oh. or whatever, I'll get a bunch of crab spiders and lynx spiders. Mm-hmm. This is going somewhere, I promise. Um, that being said, are these considered diurnal? Are they primarily daytime feeders or? Um, um, I was some species I was reading are nocturnal, but I sure do see them out during the day. Maybe not. I was going to say, I would say the majority of them are probably diurnal because if you look at the stuff that they're feeding, it's going to be whatever's coming into that flower that they're sitting on, right. but it would probably be the association. The and I have seen a lot of them will feed on. Um, I, well, actually, I think you mentioned this, Molly, the, the pollinator thing, bees and butterflies. Um, because they're attracted yeah. to flowers as well. It's easy picking, pickings, right? They just hang yeah. out and something's gonna there. And you know, when that pollinator's in there, they're just thinking about getting their pollen or nectar. They're not really looking out for the camouflaged crab spider that's going to reach out and grab it. Yeah. It seems like the sexual dimorphism isn't as like expansive as the other group that we talked about. I am looking at one species. Apparently the female is over 60 times larger than the male. Yes. Same. Holy moly. Holy, that one's not found in the United States, right? Or I think am I wrong? Is it Europe? Uh, oh, yeah. Middle East, Asia, North Africa, Europe. Mm-hmm. And I looked up the egg sack and yes, I have seen one then. It's like. Because it it kind of looks like, um, you know how the brown recluse makes that little dome looking thing? Yeah. like It's a, like that but on, on plants and apparently like a pimple patch. Yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like a pimple patch. Yeah. And apparently mm. it has up to 100 eggs, but it's typically oh, wow. on uh foliage or sticks or stems or whatever. And then the mom will guard the egg sac until she dies. So that's unfortunate, but um, I have another question. I'm looking at all these pictures now um, and I'm noticing a trend. Is their abdomen typically wider than it is long or is that just some of these species that I'm finding right now? Like they're almost. In my experience. Yes. It's kind of like a teardrop shape. Yeah. Like, yes. 
Yeah. Like a pudgy teardrop yes. is what it always seems to look like to me. And then they've got those giant front legs. I say, normally you'll kind of draw like an oblong. To me, it always looks like a face. Like I feel like <laughs> like an alien head. That's what I would. <laughs> That's what I, uh, I think it's reminding me of. That would be great if they had one with yeah. eye spots on the back. So it actually did look like one. <laughs> it's like if aliens had you know m- mandibular and maxillary palpot but like the quintessential aliens since we don't actually yes. know what they look absolutely like. yes <laughs> think x-files alien <laughs> yeah the kind that you take a picture with in like roswell yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness wow i'm reading about pollen feeding as well in spiderlings it allows them to survive beyond what yolk reserves would otherwise allow. Interesting. Oh, cool. Like in the crab spiders, they eat the pollen? Yes. Um, well, according, I need to go look at this little paper from oh. 1989, but. I like it. Yeah, survival. Oh, this is that one species that I was referring to with the extreme sexual dimorphism. Oh. I want to see pictures of this. I wonder if, uh what is it? Tom Thomasus on Onestus? Oh my gosh, that's terrible. I gotta take a Latin class. Thomasus Onestus. Onustus. Did you find out where that one is found? Is it in the United States or is it Yeah. Europe, Europe, North Africa, Middle East, and I think it said like West that's Asia. What I, that's what I thought I read. I just yeah. didn't write Ooh. it down. It looks like that one has really crazy. Um, oh, I don't know what you would. There's a word for this. So they come in different morphs, different polymorphism. Uh, there's like a green morph. There's a pink morph, like purple camouflage. Like there's a very big variety of colors in this one species. It looks cool. like. I don't know. Is it normally like white to yellow, white to green? Uh, or like is the possibility endless you know what i mean all the colors i don't know i but i was reading that the sexual dimorphism it could be color dimorphism but so i guess multiple species can have different colors males and females and maybe even within Mm -hmm. the within the the same male or female sex yep so okay my favorite i would say only because i see it more often than i maybe see others uh ambush Hunter is the lynx spider, which is a green, kind of a light lime green matches the matches leaf material. It's not like a forest or a dark green. Um, I think most people have probably seen this spider if you've looked around on some plants, Um, but the lynx spider green with 12 to 22 millimeters, whatever that means. Millimeters, I don't quite understand in my mind, but whatever that means as far as inches go. That would be half an inch to about an inch. That sounds about right. I would say like, yeah, a nickel to a quarter. Yeah. Yeah. They're not little. They're definitely, I mean, they're little, obviously when they first come out, but they're not, um, they are conspicuous because they're pretty large. Um, but I think the thing that you mainly notice are that they have spines all over their legs, but also they kind of have some, what appears to be spines on their, on their, Mm -hmm. um, the rest of their body. But I think it's just kind of some dark markings on their cephalothorax or around the head region. And these guys kind of get the appearance of having like a weird shaped forehead or a very long face because they're... um, Chelicery? 
Thank you. I had said <laughs> cephalothorax and that was the word that my mouth wanted to say, <laughs> but I knew it was wrong. Their chelicery are like real fat and, um, and kind of long elongated. Uh, and so they, they kind of, they just have this certain look to them. If y'all Google link spider, you'll say, oh yeah, I know exactly what that is. That's where I've seen those before. And I don't know, I've only ever called it a link spider. I guess I've maybe heard other people say like green garden spider, but it, are there any other common names that y'all have heard people call these guys? I've only heard link spider, but. Uh, yeah, I've only heard, actually, I've just heard people say, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like it is the, the yeah, the green the green spiny spider to me it looks like a like it looks like a clear supple bag of like green goo like you could pop it <gasps> i don't know they look so juicy for yeah. some reason <laughs> they're kind of long too well at least compared to like the 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 crab spiders i guess like the abdomen well the is... abdomen for me the abdomen looks like so, like you know how when you like blow up a balloon and you tie it in a knot and then you kind of like pull that part that's what their abdomen reminds like me of, like of it? kind of stretching it out a little bit and elongating it. I uh, was reading that they are so uh, that they're so lacking in color and pigment, and they and so we even though we see green, it's probably it, who knows if it's the exoskeleton, but it's so muted that if you put them in alcohol, they'll just turn oh, clear. <laughs> the alcohol will will uh, will t- suck out all the pigment from them. I'm looking at all. I mean, I've I've had some that I think are fine in alcohol, but it's like some species are just too light, I guess, to keep any color for them. Um, but these guys, there's actually in in like real literature documentation that they can be significant biological control agents in in like cotton fields. I was reading cotton fields uh, controlling corn earworm. And then also other moth pests. They'll eat the moths as well as the larvae if they can get their hands on them. But if you control the moth, then the moth doesn't lay the eggs. So that's that's helpful, even though it's not necessarily the the pest form. Um, but they eat just as many pollinators as they do bad guys. So their benefit kind of um, maybe in that specific field is very good, but worldwide, what the other stuff they consume kind of negates how good they are as a agricultural biological control agent. And these ones I was reading, I I found some information about their life cycle. So they uh, have one generation a year, except down in the South, they could have two generations a year. So I'm going to assume that in Texas and Florida, probably they, we do where it's at least Southern part of Texas and the Southern part of Florida. Um, and they will lay one to two egg sacs in September and October. And I bet you, if you go around outside and you look at some of your flowering plants, flowers, I feel like more so than like shrubbery. But if you look around the web, the um, egg sac that they make, they'll lay it and have it close by where they're feeding and she will actually actively protect it and be kind of mean about it. Um, but to me, it looks like when you take, when you try to make dough and you get it all over your hands yes. and you try to get the ball of dough off and it has like these little spikes that in it. Exactly. It's like this it's weird like that. shape. It's like globular, but like yeah, pointy in parts. <laughs> Pokey. Yes, it's like dough that, that you can't get so off of your good. hands. Yeah, and then you freeze it like that. Very. To good me, that's exactly what it looks like. And then you can, you can. I've done it before, where I've snipped the plant with the egg sac and her on it, and like put her in a jar or something, and she'll stay there and just protect it. And then after a few days, then the little babies come out. 
and their their life cycle i think is kind of neat so uh it takes she'll lay the egg sac um it takes 11 to 16 days for the babies to hatch but they don't actually come out of the egg sac they do what's called a post embryo where they have like no eyeballs and they I, I'm assuming they don't feed unless they feed on like goo that's in the inside of the egg sac. Um, and so they'll stay in there for another 10 to 13 days. So really the egg sac, the babies don't come out for, you know, what is it? 16 plus 13 a month or so. Um, so the, it takes about two weeks for them to hatch out of the egg, but a full month for them to emerge from the yeah, egg sac. Yeah. Okay. So you could cool. cut it open and they'd be in there. They're not in their eggs, but they like don't have eyes in there. And not. Aliens is what I think. Not eating each other. That's surprising. I, I guess if they don't have eggs. uh, Okay. I kind of stopped when I heard don't have eyes. And then I, that just piqued my interest. And I stopped really looking at it once I read that they were blind and they didn't have functioning eyes. Well, the thing that I'm reading, this is from the university of Florida says the post embryo remains in the egg sac. Mm. And then the resulting first instar spiderling has functional eyes, a digestive tract, and spines, and is ready to leave the egg sac. And then the female spider helps the young to emerge by tearing open the egg sac soon after the post first embryos have, uh, or the first post embryos have molted. Oh my goodness! I I'm picturing. I'm picturing like some flight attendant, like this way, please. This way, please. Oh. <laughs> exit. Follow the exits. So she got, she does maternal care after she lays it, and then she cares for them uh, by letting them out, which is kind of it's kind of unique in the insect world or the arthropod world, I guess. Yeah, um, not because a lot of times it's like, okay, I laid my eggs, I'm done. <laughs> yeah, I don't care how many of y'all survive. Maybe that's why we see so many of them. Because you do you mention yeah. it, didn't you, that they lay twenty five to six hundred eggs, but it's average of two hundred. So that's a ton of yeah. eggs. Although when 600? they come out, it's a tough life. Really? Yeah, that's, they are many are bound to not survive because they're so little. Um, I was also reading that they in in lab settings at least. Uh, that they can take like females 300 days to hit maturity and males are pretty close behind that at two eight, about like 289. Um, so it almost is a full year for them to go from coming out of that egg, molting, I think as many as eight times to becoming sexually mature to being able to produce their own eggs after that, which is a really, really long time for a bug. Well, then the last ambush spider that... Um, I was going to talk about or that I found are funnel weavers. And I got to admit it that I've seen these before. In fact, I have one right outside where I keep all my bee stuff and I've been admiring it, but I've never really thought about exactly what it is. Um, so I learned that's what that little guy is over there. But a, a funnel weaver off, also sometimes called a grass spider makes, if you've ever had like a web built across the grass, usually in a place where maybe something else has already dug a hole or it's in a spot where the, the soil's kind of easy to, to move around. It's not really compacted. Um, and then there's just a, like a, a cyclone uh, in a little funnel inside of the webbing. 
there's a spider inside of there somewhere. That's a funnel web or a funnel weaver or grass spider that makes that. Um, and I didn't really see a whole lot of information about it. To me, they look very similar to a wolf spider. Um, maybe not quite as robust, but in coloration and being fairly large, like even, you know, maybe about the size of a silver dollar or so, or a 50 cent piece with its legs kind of at rest, not, not pulled all the way out, but at rest. Um, and they, uh, I was reading that even as large as they are, they don't really eat very much. So they're not great at biological control. I don't know how they get as big as they get though, if they don't eat that much. They do look super dainty with that kind of wolf spider coloration, like the markings almost. Yes. Well, these are ones that people probably would see the webbing more in cooler weather when we have dew that kind of gathers on the grass in the morning. If you go out there, then you're like, holy crap, Mm -hmm. there's all these spiders. Yeah. Are these the spiders that are on like the box hedges? Um, They'll kind of do like a blanket across the top. I don't, I've, I've, we have them here. I'll have to take a picture of them because I have no idea what it is. Um, And I kind of was like, oh my gosh, maybe this is it. I don't know. I've only ever seen like the hole, like a little funnel in it. And you're right, Wizzy. It's like more noticeable when it's wet. And sometimes you walk outside and they're everywhere, but you don't, you're like, where was it before it was dewy? I guess it was there. It just wasn't noticeable. And they're making that funnel, I suppose, to trap things in it. But I would think it would be, it's pretty beyond the funnel. It's pretty big. So I would think it'd be too sticky for things to really get down there unless the funnel is more of like a hiding place. Yeah. The funnel is the hiding. It's like the, it's like a sheet web that has the funnel in the middle. And then the spider kind of hangs out in that little hole. And the if something walks on the web, that's going to send the vibrations into where they are. And so then they'll come out and then they dart out and eat it up. Uh, Well, that does it for us for Bugs by the Yard this week, continuing our spider series and covering um, the ambush spiders. It is October now, so go outside and take a look on those flowering plants. If you're lucky enough to have experienced some rain recently, like some of Texas did, things are blooming. And I promise those spiders are out there um, eating and gobbling up good or bad things. But if you just do some observing, I'm sure you're going to notice some of these spiders that we've been talking about. Our next episode is going to continue to cover. I think we're going to wrap it up with spiders. So be sure to tune in to that one in a couple weeks and we'll catch you next time. Howdy to our listeners and fellow bug nerds. We want to take the time to tell you to check out our show notes on each episode and for more information and supplemental materials on the topics covered. Additionally, if you have any questions or recommendations for what you may want to learn more about, you can send us an email to www.bugsbytheyard at gmail.com. If you enjoy this content and would like to learn more about structural pests that may invade your home, check out our other podcasts, Unwanted Guests. Brought to you by Texas A&M University AgriLife Extension and the Department of Entomology. As always, please subscribe or follow the podcast feed to make sure you never miss an episode.